all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Well, for most of us and our children out there, we only have a week or two left of summer, and it's crazy how fast the summer has flown by. A lot of our children will be starting school next week. So today we're going to be talking about different tips and topics that relate to the start of school. We've got Miss Martha Hanna on with us today. She is a principal at a local elementary school in the metro area. And so she's here with us to help weigh in on some of these topics. We appreciate her stopping by, and we would love to hear from you if you have any questions for us, or maybe you can call and share in some of your tips that you have for your children for back to school. We would love to hear from you, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can also send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So welcome, Ms. Hannah. Thank you so much for coming in today. Good morning. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So y'all, this is busy, busy time for y'all. Absolutely it is. We're working hard to get everything ready. But it's exciting too. Stressful and exciting, I guess, a little bit of everything when it comes to back to school. And I can remember my feelings when I was a kid growing up and getting excited for back to school. It was a little bit of dread, but also excitement too. getting to see all your friends, um, meeting new friends, meeting your new teacher and all the different emotions that go in with that. So um, it can be very overwhelming for children, especially young kids who are starting kindergarten or maybe making them transition to middle school. That's also a very hard transition in high school as well. I have um, been seeing a lot of checkups here recently and uh, the teenagers moving to high school seem to be the ones are, who are the most nervous. Um, so we're going to talk today about how to maybe ease your child's fears and some different tips as you prepare for your kids to go back to school. But we would love to hear from you. So if you have any tips, please give us a call and share some of those with us. one mpb ring That's one 672 So before we get into the school aspect, I was just going to plug the medical side for just a second. You know, we recommend everyone getting their yearly checkups. This goes for our kids, teens, and adults. Everybody needs to be going to see their doctor at least once a year to check in. So back to school when you're kind of resetting everything is the perfect time to bring your kid to the doctor for their yearly checkup. We have been super busy uh, seeing kids, getting their checkups, getting their vaccines, making sure we have all their health forms filled out for their asthma and food allergies and everything that goes uh, goes in with that. So now is the perfect time. So if you have not gotten your kids checkup this year, it's a good time to reset and rethink about that and make sure they get in and get their checkup, their yearly, their yearly checkup. So I was talking to Miss Hannah before we started about maybe some tips to think about as you prepare for your child to go back to school. So 
a few things besides just, you know, getting the supplies and everything like that, but thinking about how to prepare your child for school and how how do they how do kids find out about their teacher? How does it work for y'all system and for most schools out there? Um, I, you know, every school has a different way of letting their children know who their teacher will be. For us, we prepare postcards, and postcards were mailed earlier this week, and every child has been anxiously checking the mailbox to see who their teacher will be. So that is a very, very exciting time for children. Um, It's exciting to run to the mailbox. Children love to get mail Mm -hmm. anyway, but to be able to find out the big news about who their teacher will be is especially exciting. So um, that's lots of fun for us this week as children start to find out those details that um, that's the beginning I think stage of helping to settle their nerves Mm -hmm. is once they know who that teacher is going to be they feel a little bit better. So how can parents out there get to know the teacher if you know once the kid finds out who their teacher is and school's getting started are there any opportunities out there for you as parents to know more about your teacher? Absolutely so the first opportunity is an event at our school that we call Meet the Teacher, and it happens a couple of nights before school starts, and the parents come, they bring their children, they bring school supplies. It's come and go. Parents are able to go to the classroom, take their children, meet the teacher, um, just get um, a visual of what the environment's going to look like. And so that's the beginning. And then in a few weeks, we will have a parent orientation event at our school one evening. At that time, parents come without children, and they have the opportunity to go and sit in the classroom and hear from the teacher details about what their children's day will be like, what the curriculum will be like, and the grade level expectations. Lots of great information about how to communicate with the teacher on a daily basis if they need to, how to make transportation changes. All of those things are communicated at that orientation event. So that's a really, really important night. And I think that night um, teachers do a lot to help answer questions that parents may have about what the school day looks like for their child. Yeah. So it's definitely very important. We can't emphasize that enough, how to uh, try to go to those so you can be as involved as you can. One thing we were talking about before we started is, I mean, kids are at school from eight till three most days. So that's, that's a long time. That's seven hours out of the day. And that's probably more than you may spend with them as the parent. So it's really important to get to know uh, the teacher, the person that's going to be spending all this time with your child so that you can have a better understanding, too, of what your child is was going through during the day when you're not there. Uh, these teachers out there are very special people who love on your kids, and so it's important to know who those people are. We're talking today with Miss Martha Hanna, a school principal in the local area, and so we would love to hear from you. We're talking about some tips on school starting back and how to make the transition easy for your child. We would love to hear from you, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So what are some tips that you would give parents for children who are nervous, so especially like small kindergartners or like we talked about transition into middle school, high school? Um, what are some tips that parents out there could do for their kids to kind of help ease those fears and get them ready to make that transition? I think you start with an intentional conversation where you just really sit down and talk to your child about the start of school and 
then just offer some words of encouragement, some things that will calm their nerves. You know, let them know, first of all, that almost all children are nervous for the first day of school. So they're not alone in that feeling that they have. But also um, reassure them that there are going to be a lot of new friends to meet, a lot of adults available. Um, Sometimes with middle schoolers, I think that's the fear that they have. They get there and they are going to have eight teachers. They don't know where to go. Um, So they want to know, what am I going to do if I don't know where my class is or how to get there? So there will be people available um, along the way to help and provide assistance and reassurance. So I think that conversation is really important. And then sometimes as parents, we're nervous too Mm -hmm. for our children. I would say, you know, don't let your children see that. Um, Help them to know that you are comfortable with the start of school. And initially, they may be a little nervous. We typically find that after about the first 15 minutes of the first day, everybody seems to be okay. Calmed down a little bit. They've calmed down a little (laughs) bit. So it really doesn't take very long at all for them to settle in and feel comfortable in their environment. Yeah. So talking with your child, we we talk all the time and hear about the importance of open communication between parents and their children. And so this is just another way um, to start talking about it now, especially if your kid doesn't start school for another week or two. Now is the time. Don't wait till the night before. Go in and start that communication and talking to them about preparing them for that. So another thing that is very important, too, with the start of school, especially in our children uh, in the summertime when you don't have a regular routine, is their sleeping. So it's very important, wouldn't you say, to go in and try to get them sleeping a better sleep cycle, uh, sleeping through the night, going back to a regular bedtime, waking up a little bit earlier. So it's not so hard on that first day. Right. Absolutely. Sleep is so important. And really, parents need to start that routine now. Um, Sometimes for children, it is hard for them to get back into that routine. They've been staying up later. They've been sleeping later. And for them to get the amount of sleep that they need, um, they need to go ahead and start going to bed at that scheduled time. And then they'll be ready on the first day of school to wake up so early. It will make everybody's morning go much more smoothly (laughs) if they are ready for that. So certainly start those routines now and go ahead and have conversations with your children about what your expectation will be about a bedtime every day and be as consistent with that as you can so that you maintain that routine and ensure that they're well rested to start the school day. Yes, exactly. A few other things to think about, too, would be uh, travel, how to get to and from the school. So uh, if I feel like that's another area of anxiety and nervousness is if somebody's riding the bus for the first time or if uh, they're going to carpool with somebody new or how how are you going to how are you going to handle that? So do you have any tips on kids for like maybe riding the bus or um, that are going to be a new way to have transportation to and from the school, particularly the bus? Because I feel like that's the most intimidating, especially for a young child. Right. Um, Surprisingly enough, a lot of our very young children are very excited to get on a big yellow bus. (laughs) They think that's really, really fun. Um, But I think, first of all, for parents to be aware of what bus their child will ride, what time the bus will arrive to pick their child up, and what time approximately their child will be dropped off in the afternoon. Um, that That's very important. Um, you know, talking to their children specifically about 
what they need to do on a bus when they get on the bus, how to sit and what the expectations are there so that we can certainly make sure that everyone is coming to school safely. But again, it's important just to know ahead of time and to communicate ahead of time with the child how they will be going to school and coming home and communicate as early as possible if there is going to be a transportation change that is different than what they're accustomed to so that they know what to expect. Yes. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll continue our discussions about back to school and any tips and topics that you want to talk about back to school. Or maybe you can share some of your stories about how you've eased your kids' fears about starting school this year. We would love to hear from you, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can also send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're talking today about back to school. We've got school principal Martha Hanna Own with us, and she is talking to us today about some tips and different topics to discuss with your children about starting back to school. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Maybe you have some tips out there for other listeners about what you did with your child, even if you're older now, things that you can remember that helped ease your child's fears. Or maybe you're struggling with this now and you have some questions and we can help give you some tips. So give us a call. We would love to hear from you. So we talked a lot about just the you know, the important things about knowing who your child's teacher is, knowing their schedule, knowing how they're going to get to and from school. But let's talk a little bit about once school starts too, uh, homework and what to do in the, if your child is struggling in the classroom. So I feel like that's a lot of things, a lot of questions that I get asked as a pediatrician is when their child is struggling in school, different things that the teacher has noticed, how should parents handle that? So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. So first homework. Uh, when do y'all start homework? Cause I feel like it's younger and younger every year. And I know that's a, each school is going to be different, but as, as a generalization, when did normally do children start with homework? Well, we actually start with a little bit of homework in kindergarten. And what that looks like for us is usually just a little bit of math at night that just reviews something that they've learned that day or done that day. Um, and just some reading. Um, it starts out with us asking parents to read to their children. So take some time every night and read to your child. And then as our children become readers themselves, we ask that they spend a few minutes every night reading a book that's appropriate for their reading level. So we do start as early as kindergarten and um, 
And that that's just a few minutes every day for those young children. And so why is it so important out there? Can you kind of tell our listeners why is it so important? Because homework is not fun. It's not fun for the child. It's not fun for the parent. But why is it important for the parents out there to get involved with their children in homework and to try to reinforce what they have been learning in school? It's important, I think, for several reasons. One is that it is an opportunity for the child to practice what they've learned that day at school. So that's important. But the parent involvement is very important as well because it helps a parent to understand what their child is learning at school. You know, what when their child um, later may have struggles with something, if they've been involved in that homework process, then they have more knowledge about exactly what has been taught, what their children have done in the past, what is the approach to solving different problems so that they can better assist them when they do have a struggle with um, something in, in homework. Or, um, you know, even if they get to the point where they feel like they need to have a conversation with a teacher, the more informed they are about what their children have been doing in school, the better um, that conversation will go, I think. Yeah, that's so true. Well, we'll go to our caller, Timothy. Thanks for calling today. Good morning. Good morning. Um, here's my comment. Read in front of your children. And if you want to, you know, I have five brothers, and our parents, we would have like twice a week round-robin reading, okay, in which the, we each child read a little bit depending on their ability, you know. And our parents, we didn't know that they were monitoring our reading. We thought it was just a fun family thing, you know. Yeah. And our, our parents raised us to never stop studying. As our father would say, if you're not studying, you're falling behind, regardless of age. And they exemplified that by reading in front of us all the time. Well, I think that's awesome. I mean, I think that's perfect. It's getting the family involved, which is what we talk about all the time, is spending time together as a family and creating that open communication. And and leading by example, because I, we can't stress that enough with all behaviors is leading by example. And so definitely if you can make it a fun family event, I think that's wonderful. Yes, and for those parents, I am going to MITx. Massachusetts Institute of Technology has put their entire curriculum online, and it's open and available for free. So there's no reason not to study and learn. Right. I, I agree. I agree. You know, we want to build in our in our children as they grow up um, this whole mindset of being a lifelong learner. So there's always something more to know and more to learn. And the way that we do that primarily is through reading. So we want them to learn to enjoy reading, um, reading to learn and reading for entertainment so that they just develop a love for that. And um, reading to children is also so important. It is the way that we help them to build their vocabulary and their their understanding and their ability to comprehend text. So um, picking a really great book that's engaging and reading it aloud to or with your child um, can have a lot of benefits. Oh, here's one more thing. Uh, Hoopla. Your library supports Hoopla, which is an online uh, access to books, etc. And they have comic books and such, so your kid can get books for free without ever leaving the house. Hmm. 
Hmm. I've never heard of that service before. H-O-O-P-L-A, Hoopla. Hoopla, okay. Check your local library. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you for that. I have not heard about that service. have a groovy day. Well, thank you so much for your call, Timothy. We appreciate it. All right. Peace out. Nice to hear Java's voice on the job there, too. (laughs) All right. Thank you for your call. Yeah, so Timothy brings up a good point. I'm not familiar with Hoopla in particular, but I know there's lots of different book services out there. Dolly Parton used to have one. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. You could sign up online for uh, Dolly Parton, and they would send your your child. It's a free, and they would send your child books. Um, I recently learned about a another app out there that you can it doesn't necessarily send books but it sends different tips for you out there that you can work with your child it's called vroom i don't know if you're familiar with that it's more for younger children but it does continue as your child gets older but it'll send you different free tips that you can do um just around the house like normal like they said you can turn bath time into a learning experience so always kind of creating that opportunities to learn for your child so uh, there's so many different free options out there to send your child books to give you tips on different ways to continue that learning at home and so definitely try to look into it if you can uh we as at our clinic we uh try to give our children books at every checkup if we can Uh, Sometimes it gets a little bit harder as they get older because we don't have as many older children books and chapter books and different things like that. But uh, we do get lots of different donations. We've had a few patients bring us books, and some of our residents will also uh, do book drives and have those. But it's, it's the best feeling when the child comes to clinic, and that's the first thing they ask. Even if it's not a checkup, they ask, can I get a book? Because they they love those books and they keep those books that we have um so definitely reading is we're huge on that and if there's any opportunities out there um where you can donate some books maybe your kids have grown up and you have some books laying around the house try to find some options to donate kids who may not have access to these books we're talking today about back to school tips. We have school principal on with us, Miss Hannah, and she is talking to us and giving us some tips that you may that may help your child as they ease that transition back to school. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So we're talking about homework and the importance of homework. Um, but again, it's hard. So what are some tips that you would tell parents on how to make that homework time go a little bit smoother? <laughs> well, you're right. Sometimes um, that is a challenging time of the day. And I think first you have to just think about your child and their needs. Um, sometimes children um, need to come home and they, they need a break. They need to have a snack. They need some time to get energy out before you ask them to sit and do homework. And um, that oftentimes is helpful just in getting them to do it. If you ask them to do it as soon as they get off the bus or as soon as they walk in the door and they've been doing that all day, they've been using their brain all day, uh, a lot of times a break is helpful. Sometimes breaks during homework time are helpful as well. So help them to understand what the homework routine will be like. Where are we going to do homework? Is there a specific place in the house that's better than another? You know, some people have their children do homework in the kitchen because mom's available or dad's available to provide assistance when they need it. Um, Some children need a more quiet environment to do their homework, but making sure that environment is what it needs to be for that particular child. And then, um, 
allowing them to take a break when they need to so that they can rest for a minute and um, then come back to it later. You know, those things, I think the routine is the most important thing. And again, homework might look different in one house for one child than it does for a sibling in the same household based on that child's specific needs. So what would you tell parents out there? Because it can be very tempting sometimes, especially when you're getting frustrated uh, with your child and you just want to just do it for them. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, here, just let me let me finish it. So, like, what would you tell parents about trying to restrain from doing that? Because we are trying to reinforce them, but kind of explain why that's so important. Right. Well, what the end result from homework is for the child to practice things that they've already learned and the parent should be there to support them in that without giving them answers. So prompting children, asking questions to get them thinking about how they might go about solving a problem is really a good way to help them when a child is um, stomped or struggling to, um, to get their homework done or to solve a problem on homework just provide that support without giving the answer. And that, that again, usually comes with asking questions, asking them to think about different things. Um, And sometimes when you give them those little prompts, it will cue something that they remember, that the teacher said, or that they've already practiced that will help them with that solution. So we really want them to try to work through that. That's how they learn is is working right, and, through and using those different skill sets to critical thinking. Right. And we want to build in our children um, perseverance, mm-hmm. you know, so that they're not that it doesn't become a habit to give up easily. We want them to learn to work through. And the more you prompt and question them, the more they will become able to to prompt and question themselves. Mm-hmm. And that is what builds perseverance so that they are able to work through problems and um build that stamina that they need to to produce a result on their own without a lot of assistance. Yes, that's great. Those are some great tips. Well, we're talking today with Miss Hannah. She is a school principal um, at a local elementary school, and she's had some wonderful tips on starting back to school and homework. And we'll get into a little bit more about the actual school year and after the break, but we would love to hear from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And let us know maybe some of your back-to-school tips or some of the struggles that your kid has at school. Uh, we'll be back after the break. Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Kensington's and MPB Think Radio. 
We're talking today about back to school, different tips for easing that transition for your child and other topics that relate to the start of school and the school year in general. We would love to hear from you, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or you can also send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So we were talking during the break, kind of elaborating more about homework and creating that environment and trying to give your children a book. And one thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about, but we want to make sure that we reiterate and stress is trying to create a distraction-free zone. And so that includes no devices, no phones, no tablets, no TVs. Um, And really the importance of trying to reinforce that learning and reading at home is to limit that screen time. So the AAP recommends... Well, and children under one, no screen time. Um, And then our younger kids, like two to four, uh, only one hour of screen time. But even as our kids get older, only two hours of screen time. Uh, We talked, I talked about this just the other day with some of my middle schoolers at their checkups and how important it is to put those devices down for it, you know, only two hours a day. And that two hours of screen time includes phones, tablets, TVs, that's that's everything. That's not just your phone. This is including your TV. This is including your tablet. This is including time on your computers. So it's really, really important to make sure that you talk with your children, too, as the school year starts back, because you may have been a little more lenient in the summertime, and that's understandable. But now that the school year is back in session, we really need to have a good grasp on how much screen time our children are going to be having so that we don't have any interferences when they do start school back. So if your child, one of the things as a as a pediatrician that I have a lot during uh, clinic questions from uh, parents is, what do I do when my child's struggling in school? So if they've noticed that their kid is having some trouble with focusing on doing their homework. And so maybe what would you recommend them doing first if they first notice problems with homework? I think first you start with the teacher. So reach out to the teacher, set up a time that you can go and meet and really have a good conversation with the teacher about what's happening at school and where that struggle lies. So is the student struggling to understand the content? Is that the struggle or is the student struggling to um, be attentive and finish task that they're asked to do. Um, So getting some clarification about exactly what the struggle is so that then you can make a decision about what to do next. Um, But gathering that information oftentimes is great. Teachers also are very willing to give you tips and pointers for how you can help children if they're struggling with particular subject area related standards. Um, They'll provide tips. They sometimes will provide resources that you could use to help your child with that. Um, But again, that conversation with the teacher is really important so that you know exactly what's going on and where their struggle is. Exactly. So we'll go to a caller, Byron. Sorry. How are you? Good. What's going on today? Well, yes, ma'am. I was going to comment on your distraction-free zone and creating that. Our, uh, I go to St. Martin High School in St. Martin, and we roughly have a 1,300-student attendance. But this past year, we had a problem with cell phones. It was a real big deal. They, the cell phones weren't as much the problem as the headphones, 
walking through the hallway, there was a bunch of distractions through the headphones, and it really caused the school to make a new policy to where cell phones are just gone. It's only going to be when we have a break time and if we have the chance during lunch. And, you know, as a student, you know, it's not the best thing in the world. You know, I'm not the most on board for it, but I can understand for the teachers. Um, I really do think that the cell phone, they really need to be used in moderation because I enjoyed, you know, using my cell phone as a pastime, you know, when I had the time, not as a distraction during class. But at the same time, I really can understand the teacher's point of view where, you know, they're trying to get their job done and we're, you know, preventing them from doing so. Yes. Well, Byron, you sound wise beyond your years, and we appreciate your call. But, yes, I think that's so true. Just like you shouldn't have cell phones and tablets and TVs on during home homework, you especially don't need it during school. Um, there is a time and a place to be able to use those because they can enhance your learning at times. Um, and they, they do you do need them for convenience and communication, uh, but it definitely can cause a distraction. I've never really thought about the headphones, but that is so true. I could definitely see that. Yes, ma'am. We, uh, you know, the teachers really do, you know, it's, you know, it's their job, you know, get our attention. And I can see how that prevents us. But at the same time, you know, the headphones are in the schools too, you know, in the computers and the uh, laboratories, you know, that way what's going on through the speakers, we can go ahead and have in our ears that way. Not everybody has to hear what's going on on the computer. But I think it was really just the problem in the hallways. It was, uh, they were walking through the hallways with the earbuds in their ears, and they had no clue what the teachers were saying going from class to class. And I can really understand how the teachers had to go ahead and knock that in the bud. Yes, I, I can see that 100%. I've never thought about that, but I can totally see that. Well, thank yes, you. Ma'am. Thank you so I much for your call. You me on. Yeah, thank you for your call, and good luck with the school year this year. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, the computers, everything is moving towards more and more technology-based. And uh, my old high school, I went back, and they don't even have lockers anymore, which is just crazy to me to think about because they all have computers and tablets and different things like that, So, which is great, but it also can cause lots of distractions in the classroom. And um, my mom teaches junior high and high school, and she sees those struggles with Uh, kids getting distracted so definitely have to have rules and checks and balances for that it's great and it provides lots of different opportunities for our children out there but we got to make sure we have rules for that too so we'll go next to madeline thanks for calling today yes my question is i have a set of five-year-old twin granddaughters and they will be starting five-year-old kindergarten They've not been to pre-kindergarten. What would be a suggestion for uh, starting them on homework once they get home? I will have them in the afternoon, and their mother will pick them up later on. And rather than them having to sit down all at one time to try to do homework once they get home, what would you suggest doing? Well, um you know, I, that's so exciting for them to think about them starting their school years and going to kindergarten this year. Again, you know, homework in kindergarten should be minimal, so it really shouldn't take very long at all um, for them to do. But I would break it up. Give them a little bit of time when they get home to run and play and have a snack and then come back and sit down for just a few minutes at a time. I would say really no more than about 10 minutes at a time to work 
work on a homework task and then allow time for another break so that they um, can can just be children. You know, school is important, and certainly we want all children to excel in that area, that academic area, but they do need some time at home to be children and get energy out. So I think just just having them do it in small little time increments would be very helpful. If one is more dominant than the other, how is the best way to handle it? We thought they were going to be broken, put in different classrooms, but they're going to be in the same one. And we're a little bit, one wants to do education and one does not. Right. <laughs> Yes, way to do that. Well, you know, I would encourage you in the homework environment to stagger their homework maybe so that they're not sitting in the same place at the same time because you will see sometimes that one twin will speak up and give an answer or um, want to do all of the talking and that um, doesn't allow the other child to have um, the opportunity to think. You know, some children just need a little bit more think time than others. So, you know, you can do that in a couple of different ways. You could put them in different locations to work on homework at the same time, or you could have one taking a break while the other works and then change that up um, so that you know that that child that is less dominant is able to think through and problem solve and have conversations with you about questions involving homework um, and and able to work through that at their own pace. Okay, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for your call, and good luck with the school year. My best friend has triplets, and that's one thing that she has struggled with um, is having three kids. And I think it's somewhat of an advantage for having them all in the same class because they all are on the same learning page. But, you know, it can be hard, uh, especially if you have some that are more dominant personalities than others. Um, So it's definitely something, too, as they continue to go in down the school year to have talks with your with your uh, children's teachers about what how their personalities are in the classroom. And I know a lot of teachers tend to work together in teams so that they may not have the exact same schedule, but similar schedules for your children out there. So... Do you right. have any other comment on um, multiples? I know that's well, that's a hard thing. It is. It is. It, it can be challenging. So in our school in particular, our teachers are all working on the same standards for each um, content area throughout the week. So um, the exact activities that happen in each classroom may be different, but there are going to be commonalities in the the assignments that they're doing, what they're working on in math or spelling, those things will be the same. Um, Sometimes parents will choose early on for their children to not be together if they know they have one twin that's more dominant than the others. What we see in our school oftentimes is in the early years, kindergarten, first and second grade, the children can be in a classroom together and, um, and be successful a lot of times. As they move into the third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, as they get older, it becomes more evident that they need to be separated. Um, They need to start to develop their own identity and their own groups of friends. And, um, you know, it's rare that you'll have twins where all of their academic abilities or their social skills are exactly the same. And when they get older, then and if they're in the same classroom, that can become a problem. Mm -hmm. So we in 
for children in our building in third, fourth, and fifth grade don't place multiples in the same classroom together. Thank you for your call. We're talking today about back to school tips. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll go next to Errol. Thanks for calling today. Hello. Um, I'm a retired teacher, a math teacher in middle school, and I just want to add a few things into my help, um, especially with math. You know, a lot of people say, I hate math, or I never understood this, or whatever. Uh, do your best as a parent to avoid saying that, because that would just give your, your student a, a chance to say, well, I guess that's okay to hate math. Uh, but, uh, you know, just avoid that. Do the best you can to solve the problem that you're looking at. You've always hopefully got the textbook there. Now, the other thing to do, and I think we mentioned this earlier, uh, I didn't hear the whole conversation earlier, but uh, to, uh, instead of solve the problem, and this goes for even in, in English or, or uh, social studies or whatever, uh, don't just say solve the problem and say, well, this is how you do it, but ask your student, uh, uh, what do you do next? A little bit different. What do you do next? And if they don't, you can cut a hand and move them along that way. There's another little extra part about asking your student questions and then uh, getting the answer from them is that they get a chance to show off and say, well, I know the answer. And I think that's a great way to build a relationship with your, with your kids that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier is prompting your child, yeah. giving them those prompts. That, that lets them, like Ms. Hannah said, that it, it lets them know that they can prompt themselves and they can learn how to take that next step when they're trying to solve the problem. Yeah, those are yeah some... that's right. Cause mainly in math, uh, you know, I mean, it's all step by step by step all the way through. Uh, so that part is easy. But like in, in English, uh, you're reading a short story or something. Uh, there's there's other ways to ask questions to get the, get the thinking involved. Yeah. Well, those are some great tips. Thank you so much, Errol. We appreciate that. Sure. And thank you for your service as a teacher. I don't think teachers get enough thank you. So thank you for your service as a teacher. We'll go next to Joseph. Thanks for calling today. Hi, I saw an article in today's New York Times, November the 1st, 2019. It's in the New York Times. The title is uh, Charges Vary in Hot Car Child Deaths. One of the common things in these terrible, it's just very painful to think about, but um, the uh, routines established by certain persons, and they just forget the kid and leave in the car and it dies, you know, in the heat. So um, I, I, it is so painful to, to, to bring, about, bring up. But if y'all know anything about it and want to say anything about it, I thought it would be a time because the New York Times has this article in today's issue. It's called Charges Vary in Hot Car Child Is, and it, it reviews them. Yeah. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point because uh, just because summer's winding down doesn't mean the heat is going anywhere, especially here in the South. And so this is definitely something that we can still see potentially happen in the next couple of months. And and like you said, most people just get into a routine. And so a lot of these hot car deaths, I, 
I think truly are accidental. It's not purposeful, but you just get so used to your routine. So what I usually recommend and tell people to do is try to throw your routine off a little bit. So instead of if you normally put your cell phone in the cup holder or put it in the back seat so that, number one, you're not distracted driving, but two, you know you have to, when you get out of the car, you have to go get something. Or you maybe it's your work bag. Normally, you just put it over in the front seat in the passenger seat if nobody's there. Put it in a different place so that you have to look into a different part of the car because, to me, that's like you said it's so you become so routine and ingrained in that routine if you can try to throw that routine off a little bit that kind of prompts you to remember different things so that's my biggest tip that i normally tell people to do and the charges are is it intentional or not and if it's not intentional it's really a misdemeanor so sometimes this awful death you know is a misdemeanor but then if they and if they can prove intentionality or something that is the thing that and if you think about this, it's so awful. Maybe it wouldn't be another thing which cause people to pay attention. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for your call. It's it's definitely a hard topic to talk about, but it's it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. And so, whatever you need to do to prompt you to remember to look in the back of your car if that's where your child is, hopefully where they should be, it buckled up. Um, that to make you do that. So, trying to change up that routine, put a sticky note somewhere, have um, you know, get to know where your child is going, get to know their teachers at school, get to know their workers at daycare, so that. It if your child is not there, that they will, you know, notify you and they stay on top of things so that you can also stay on top of your child's activities, too. Um, but, yeah, thank you for your call. I have not seen that article and I'm I'm not as familiar with the legal system about all the different charges that you would be. But I, I do think most of these deaths, unfortunately, are unintentional. And it's just because we get so bogged down in our routine and we are just such a fast-paced moving society and so just trying to change up that routine and disrupt disrupt that routine we're talking today we've got a few minutes left if you have any questions about tips for back to school or any questions about once school starts give us a call 1877 mpb ring that's 1877-672-7464 so we talked if if there are concerns that you notice with your child having struggles with homework to go to your teacher because they they definitely do spend a lot of time and they are watching your child learn. And so what if the teacher does notice some things and if they tell you that, yeah, they are struggling a little bit, what are some different options out there that parents could do? Um, you know, I think that... Um one option is sometimes you need to go and see your pediatrician. You might need to go and sh- make an appointment and say, talk to them about what the teacher has um, said or what the teacher has noticed, what you've noticed as a parent at home about different behaviors or things that you think might be um, inhibiting their ability to perform well or be successful. So I think that's always a starting point. Um, you know, we do have systems in place within the school system when children start to struggle so that um, as we see need, we can provide intervention to give a little bit of extra support and attention to um, the areas that they are struggling in. So there are always options and resources available um, to parents. Uh, also, you know, sometimes a parent will might need to set up a, a conference and go and meet with the principal in the school and share concerns there as well and talk about their students. Principals are happy to do that and provide, um, you know, we want to help. We want 
every child in our building to experience success and feel good about what they're doing. So it is our job and responsibility to support parents in making that happen. So oftentimes you can reach out to administration as well to get some some help. So some of those accommodations, uh, I know there's like now an IEP is completely different, and that's right. something that you you have to hopefully plan a little bit ahead of time and talk to administration about. But the accommodation plans and some of those a little more not as advanced plan of care for your right. child. How can if a parent does have a question about that, how can they get those addressed? Well, again, you start with the teacher um, to ask what's going on and what accommodations are available because accommodations are available based on what your specific child's need is. And we look at several things when determining what accommodations are appropriate. You know, what we want to do in the school setting is provide the level of support that's needed for a child to be successful, but you don't want to put accommodations in place that are not necessary to, for a child to be successful because you don't want that to, um, to give them any additional support that might keep them from actually being independent and growing to their potential. So that that really is something that we have to look at carefully. How do we balance that? You know, there are tier one accommodations that we can put in place within a regular classroom, um, just some very um, general things that we can do to help. And then as children demonstrate that they need more support and we enter tier two intervention or tier three intervention, then there are additional accommodations that can go along with those tiers as well. So I guess we can't stress enough having open communication with your child's teacher, too, so that you can be aware of what's going on. And if your child does need those accommodations, how to get those in place for them. And the teachers are also on top of that, and they're they're going to be contacting you, too, as well. But it's important for you to stay informed about that. So. Um, but thank you so much, Ms. Hannah. We appreciate you coming on today and for offering your wisdom. And thank you for our callers. And I just want to give a shout out to teachers because uh, we appreciate all that you do. And like we talked about earlier today, uh, your child's teacher is with your child almost more than you are during the day. Uh, so it's very important uh, to get to know your child's teacher out there and to thank them. You know, try to do little things for them. My, I have teachers in my family, several people, my mom, my sister, aunts, cousins, um, and it's great to show your teacher appreciation. It, it's so, uh, when my sister gets uh, even just somebody bringing her a Diet Coke to school, <laughs> you know, that just brightens their day. And just remember to show your child's teachers just how thankful you are for them because they are molding your child into the person they're going to be one day. So, but thank you again for coming on. Any last words of wisdom out there? I just want to say to all the children and parents out there, good luck with the new school year. Um, it's exciting time. Enjoy every minute of it. Make great memories. Yes. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and stay tuned for NPR's Hearing Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.